0: Welcome in to Ohio vs. the World, an exclusive Ohio sports podcast where I discuss primarily the Ohio State Buckeyes, as well as some discussion on the Browns, Cavaliers, Indians, Blue Jackets, and crew. I'm your host, Jacob Wilson, and actually joined by no one today. Uh, If you've listened to this podcast lately, which I know you have, um, I've had a lot of guests on almost every single episode. This is technically a solo podcast, but I like to have guests on, and lately it's been I like to have guests on. Lately, I've had a lot of guests on, but uh, today, it's just me, myself, and I. If you've listened to all my podcasts, you know I'm not great at these solo ones, and they make me pretty nervous. And It's usually not my best podcast, but I'm going to do my best. Everyone that I usually have on is very busy with finals this week, and I'm busy as well, but still trying to squeeze in some time here because so, there's just so much content to get out there. I want to get an episode out, and surprisingly, there is a lot of content, like I said. Even though football season has wrapped up, and I was wondering where all the content would go, and if I'd be able to still make these podcasts once a week, or even more than that, or just how many I could make. But here we are, uh, football season, at least for the Ohio State Buckeyes, is over, but there's still a ton of content to cover here. We've got the Heisman re- recap today. We're going to talk a little bit about recruiting. Um, then Brian Hartline, we're going to talk about him. The Browns game yesterday, we're going to talk about that. They won the, They won against the Panthers and then a quick rundown of other news. So first we'll start with the Heisman recap. Kyler Murray wins it, comes in first place with 2,167 total points. Tua Tagovailoa comes in second with 1,871. And then we have Joanne Haskins with 783 total points. So pretty wide gap there between second and third. Um, and yeah, I guess that's what we expected to see. A close race at the top between Kyler and Tua. And then a pretty big drop down for everyone else. And that's exactly what we saw. And it's kind of crazy to see that because Dwayne Haskins just had such a great year. Um, By far the best year, statistically speaking at least, for an Ohio State quarterback of all time. And the best year really ever for a Big Ten quarterback in the history of the Big Ten, which says a lot. Uh, The Big Ten isn't known for having a ton of amazing QBs. But still to have the year that he had and just be so far from Winning the Heisman is crazy, and I understand that Kyler Murray is a very deserving guy, but I did feel like there was a lot of disrespect towards Dwayne Haskins in this whole entire process. Um, I feel like it just kind of, you know, you guys know, if you're watching, you have Twitter, you're watching uh, ESPN, you know they made it feel like a two-guy race. They all talked about Kyler Murray and Tua tagaviola Some people even had interviews where they were interviewing the quote-unquote Heisman finalist, and they would just have Kyler and Tua and not Wayne, and I understand that Jouane Haskins maybe didn't deserve to win this award, or maybe he wasn't the best candidate, but I think to just totally disrespect him and just totally not talk about him was just a shame. Um, I'm not even advocating that he wins it, but to not even be in the discussion for me was a bit shameful, but did Kyler Murray did deserve it. I think he was a very good player this year, but I mean, Jouane Haskins, if you look stati- statistics statistically, although I can't say that word for some reason today, he did have the best number really of all three of these quarterbacks, and obviously Kyler Murray, he has a lot of rushing numbers that don't get put into effect, and then Tua didn't play the fourth quarter, but still, Joanne does have the best numbers, and he's playing against arguably the best defenses, for sure better than Kyler Murray's playing against uh, playing in the Big 12, so yeah, I feel like he deserved at least a little bit more of a shot, and I feel like he deserved to be a little bit closer to the top, but at the end of the day, that's really all I've got to say on it. I feel like, um, I think he definitely had a case to win it, and it's okay that he didn't win it. But to just be completely left out like that, and on some places like ESPN, to not even be talked about, and people to just say it's a race against Kyler Murray and two attack of Viola, I thought was a bit disrespectful towards Dwayne Haskins, who had an amazing season, and uh, we know he'll take it with stri- take it in stride though, and just use it as fuel, which he already tweeted today that. This just adds fuel to his fire, so it'll just keep him going. He wants to probably kick some guys' asses in the Rose Bowl, and then maybe he'll even be back next year to to continue to do that, but we'll see. Um, So now I want to talk about recruiting. Got a lot of good recruiting news here lately, actually. Um, Ryan Day, he got his first recruit, and that was Tommy Eichenberg. Um, Let me pull him up here. Let me see what we got. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg, he is... A four-star recruit. He is from St. Ignitus, Cleveland, Ohio. I know that's a big football school. I just know because I've heard the name before a lot. Um, he's a four-star guy. He's very close to being a five-star. He's the eighth-ranked uh, guy in Ohio. He's the 20th in his position nationally and the 324th-ranked national guy. Um, so this was exciting. He's not like some amazing flashy commit, but he's still Ryan Day's first-ever recruit. If Ryan Day becomes a big name at Ohio State, he has a long, luxurious career here, then we'll always know his first recruit was Tommy Eichenberg from St. Ignite-ish, uh Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. So that's exciting, and then maybe that gets the ball rolling, and it looks like it might have a little bit because we also have another exciting one here, Harry Miller, uh, part of the 2020 class, I want to say. Um, and He actually decommitted when Urban Meyer retired last Tuesday. Um, he still said that, you know, Ohio State was still his number one, but he had to think about things, and it looks like he thought about things. I know Ryan Day visited Harry Miller, I want to say, a few nights ago, and now just like that, uh, about 30 minutes before this podcast, I actually had to re- write this into the script here a few minutes ago, Harry Miller recommits to Ohio State, and he says on December 19th, when that signing day opens, he's going to sign that day, and he's going to be in Ohio State commit, so... That's exciting to see. He might actually might be a 2019 guy now that I'm thinking about it. Um, And if so, that would be great too. get him in here next year. But yeah, so he gets a recommit from someone who decommitted when Urban Meyer left. And he gets his first recruit in Tommy Eichenberg. So an exciting few days in the recruiting classes. But I also just wanted to kind of just look at the recruiting classes here in general. 2019, um, something that's interesting is Ohio State's usually one, two, or three. And the recruiting classes last year they were two. Had a great class. Um, those guys are gonna be, you know, sophomores or redshirt freshmen next year stepping up, so we should have a great team next year. But looking at this upcoming year, we are ranked ninth nationally, which is not great for Ohio State, but still they're still first in the Big Ten and the kind of the way I look at it is so much stuff happened with Ohio State this year. You're talking about Urban Meyer and what happened over the off season, um, all the scandals, all the alleged things that were happening and kind of just turmoil in Ohio State, and then you look at uh, a season that was obviously 12-1, and you won the Big Ten, but there was some bad moments, Nick Bosa going out and then losing by 29 to Purdue, and then at the end of the year, Urban Meyer, one of the greatest coaches of all time, steps down, and Ryan Day, a guy who's never had any head coaching experience before, comes in, takes over at the helm, and you're still the number one ranked Big Ten um, 2019 recruiting class, so... Even with all that, we're still ninth nationally, and I think that will tick upwards as we go. A lot of that will depend on uh, Zach Harrison. We'll get into that. And still the number one ranked class in the Big Ten, so still a lot of stuff to be excited about there. And even if you have this one-off year, that's okay because last year was a great class, and next year you're looking at probably, again, a top two class. So it's okay to have a, a year off here every once in a while. Um, we saw them have a year off three four years ago, and we can see that you know this program is still in fine shape. They went twelve and one. They won the Big Ten. They beat their rival this year. So, I think that that ninth rank will continue to tick upwards. I don't think this is counting in Harry Miller. Harry Miller, if he is a twenty nineteen recruit, um, if so though, that will probably take up maybe another one or two spots. So, and yeah, I think there's still a lot of things to be excited about. Another guy I wanted to talk about was Garrett Wilson. This is a guy you're talking about here that is 16th nationally ranked. um, Just completely, just in any position. 16th in the nation recruit for next year. In his position as a wide receiver, he is the second best wide receiver in the nation. And in the state of Texas, where he's from, he's the second best recruit. That's a great state there. Four recruits to be second in that state is impressive. And this guy is just unbelievable. I've seen his highlight videos. Looks like he's going to be the next great Ohio State wide receiver. And Urban Meyer stepped down Tuesday night, and I believe Wednesday, he tweeted that he's still 1,000% committed to Ohio State. So, not just 100%, 1,000% committed to Ohio State University. That's exciting to see. He is a huge commit here, and uh, he's a lot of the reason this ranking is where it's at. And a lot of people were very scared when Urban Meyer stepped down that the likes of players like Garrett Wilson might be out the door and it's exciting to know that he is, you know, still 1000% committed like he said. So, yeah, it's actually showing Harry Miller here right now, so it looks like they've already updated that. These guys here at Bucknuts are very quick on their updating. So, yeah, Harry Miller is a 2019 guy and he's it shows him as committed. He's a five-star. He's a uh, number 2, <clears throat> sorry, number 2 in the nation in his position which is an offensive center. So, that's going to be really good. Um, no offense to Michael Jordan, but if you're a Ohio State fan, you know that we need a sit center, and maybe Harry Miller can come in here and be that guy right away. So that would be great. Um, talking about Zach Harrison, like I did earlier, he's going to be a huge factor in all of this. Zach Harrison, right down the street, all in tangy orange. He's the second. Um, I believe he's the second ranked uh, kid in the whole entire nation for this 2019 recruiting class, um, and. Of course, he's between, who else, but Ohio State and Michigan. So this guy right here, man, he's probably going to decide who wins the Big Ten recruiting battle this year. And he's probably going to decide if Ohio State is like a 10th ranked national class here in 2019 or if they're like a 2nd or 3rd ranked national class. Uh, Getting Zach Harrison is going to be such a priority for Ohio State. He is a defensive end, I believe. Um, He's from Olentangy Orange, which is right down the street. And right now, the crystal ball predictions as they have it here on 24-7 sports has Michigan as a 65% favorite to win his recruitment in Ohio State at 31% and then Penn State at 4%. So it's pretty much down to Michigan and Ohio State here. And I'm really interested to see what happens. Like I said, this is a huge guy. Um, this is going to be the difference between was this a successful recruiting class or was it not successful? And I don't want to make things that black or white, but it really does come down to Zach Harrison. He's going to be big because not only is he the second best recruit in the whole entire nation, um, and not only can he make your recruiting class go from mediocre to a very good recruiting class, but if you don't get him, you know who's getting him. It's Michigan. It's the guys across the street. It's that team up north. It's your rival. It's who you hate. And if you don't get him, then that team up north is getting him, and that's going to make their recruiting class better than yours probably. So. That's the last thing you want to see. So this is going to be a very, very big recruit between uh, Michigan and Ohio State. You'd assume Ohio State's definitely got some sort of leg up in the fact that he is from Olentangy Orange right down the street. You'd assume he's an Ohio State fan. And you'd assume he watched that game, uh, what is it, two, two and a half weeks ago now, against Michigan where Ohio State just blew the doors off of Michigan. And you'd assume that's important to him. Um, I think it would be. You see what happened. I mean, we just blew out Michigan, but obviously, Urban Meyer steps down. And like I said, he's one of the greatest recruiters of all time. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. So he's got himself a decision to do, a decision to make here. Does he want to go to Ohio State, probably his favorite team, a team that is still very dominant over Michigan, but or does he want to go to Michigan, a team on the rise? Um, he can go there and be part of an underdog story and trying to rebuild Michigan back to a great program that begrudgingly, I admit that it is a great program. It hasn't been for the last 20 years, but where does he want to go? We'll have to decide, and like I said, that's going to be huge in determining whether this was a successful class or not. Yeah, so uh, sticking on the topic of Ohio State football here, we've got Brian Hartline, my guy. Um, Obviously an Ohio State wide receiver 10, 15 years ago, a great player for the Buckeyes, and then he went to the NFL. Pretty good player in the NFL, Um, I believe, most of it, He did play for the Browns, actually. Uh, most of his career was spent with the Dolphins. That's where the most successful parts of his career was, was with the Dolphins. And then he went to Ohio State. I'm not sure if he has any coaching experience besides the assistant wide receiver coach to Ohio State. And uh, obviously he was the assistant coach to Zach Smith and everything that happened this offseason. Zach Smith obviously gets fired with all the uh, scandal that happened this offseason. And Brian Hartline steps in. And he has a very good season. Uh, the wide receivers have a great season this year. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with Dwayne Haskins and him being the pro-style QB that he is compared to JT Barrett, who is not as much of a pro-style QB and ran a lot more. But still, you got to suspect that some of that step-up was due to Brian Hartline, these wide receivers who had pretty much underachieved their whole entire career, and now this recruiting, these receivers that are made up of mostly seniors in their final year step up and play a huge role in what was a good season for Ohio State, 12-1 and winning the Big Ten, beating Michigan. So Brian Hartline, he gets a promotion. He is now the full-time wide receivers coach, and I think that's exciting news. It's good to see that Brian Day has seen um, that success that Brian Hartline has brought. and He's uh, brought out the best in these wide receivers, and He's rewarded him for that, so that's good to see. Um, now, i pretty much do it for Ohio State. Um, Ohio State football, at least. Basketball, now I want to get a little bit into. Uh, just talk about their season. Let me pull up their schedule here, if you don't mind. One second. Ohio State basketball, 2018. Yeah, so I mean, I can't remember when the last time I talked about Ohio State basketball was, but they've had a great season so far. They're sitting at 8-1, and and they're 2-0 and in the Big Ten. They blew out Minnesota at home. Minnesota's not a bad team this year, and they just absolutely blew them out. Uh, that was good to see. And then they went on the road and beat Illinois here Wednesday night, so I guess that was five days ago now, and that's a good win as well. So they're 8-1, and 2-0 and in the Big Ten. Their only loss is to a good Syracuse team, who is now ranked as of today. Actually, the AP poll just came out a few hours ago. Um, Syracuse is 25, so only raw, only loss comes to a ranked opponent. uh, Jim Beheim, Jim squad, a very good squad that runs that uh, zone defense. So, not a bad loss, obviously. And you've beaten the likes of Cincinnati on the road, Creighton on the road, Cleveland State, who's not an awful team, and then you've blown out Minnesota. And beating Illinois, you're 2-0 in the Big Ten, 8-1. Just a hats off to this Ohio State team and Chris Holtman. They're doing great things, and I'm excited. Their upcoming schedule here, at least let's go through the rest of the non-con here. They've got Bucknell at home, of course, on Saturday. They're actually getting a 10-day rest here, and they're about halfway through that rest. But then Saturday, this Saturday, they take on Bucknell. Ohio State's at home. And we've got Youngstown State here. Ohio State obviously at home for that. That is next Tuesday, eight days away. And then next Saturday, that is, uh, about a week and a half, about 10, 11 days from now, they take on UCLA. I want to say this is a neutral site game. It's one of those CBS Sports Classics. And Ohio State takes on UCLA. That's going to be an exciting game. Uh, That's going to be a big game. If you win that game, I mean, you're almost all but of a lock to get into the tournament. Obviously, they're pretty much a lock now. But if things even go horribly wrong in the Big Ten, if they can get this sort of a non-con where they go... uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 1, and they have three good good road wins against UCLA, Cincinnati, and Creighton, then that's going to be a great resume. So really good stuff from this Ohio State basketball team. Loving what I'm seeing. Uh, Then they finish off the non-conference at home December 29th against High Point. And then on January 5th at home, they start off the uh, conference schedule, Big Ten schedule. Uh, Besides these two games they played here the last week, at home against Michigan State who is number ninth right now so that's going to be a big game. Get out to the shot for that one for sure. And then obviously they have a whole host of Big 10 games here to, that goes through, you know, the middle of March so a lot of basketball to be had here. High State basketball team is playing great. Um obviously the football season just ended and if you're one of those people who is you know wishy-washy on basketball, you watch it sometimes, you don't. Invest into this team, they will not disappoint you. They're playing great basketball, and they play with a lot of heart, so they definitely deserve your uh, support, no doubt. All right, so moving on, I want to talk a little bit about the Browns here, uh, mainly an Ohio State show, but I like to dive into some Cleveland sports, some Columbus sports, and just anything in Ohio if I can. And, man, how about these Brownies? They played great yesterday. Baker Mayfield, 18 of 22, 238 yards, one touchdown, leading the Browns at home, first energy stadium to a 26 to 20 victory over the Carolina Panthers. These Browns are playing well. They're 5-7-1 now. Um, obviously not a great record, but for the Browns, man, what a record it is. They've won, I think it was, yeah, one game in two years, and now they've won five and a half games. They've got that tie. Don't forget about that. They've won five and a half games in... You know what is not even a whole season yet. There's still three games to go, and they got. They're probably going to be favored in all three of those games. So, this is a team that has a chance to win eight games this season, uh, have a winning record. They probably won't, but I could definitely see it. They should at least win one or two more games. So, this is a team that's taking a major step forward this year. I think next year is their year um, in terms of at least making the playoffs and maybe even getting a run at this thing. I mean, you think of how young this team is; they're only going to get better. Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, uh, Jarvis Landry is younger than most people think. They've got a pretty young line out there. Uh, Duke Johnson is still getting better and better. And then David Njoku is a second-year guy. Miles Garrett, of course, is a second-year guy. So, And Jabril Pepper is a second-year guy, getting better as well. So, Excited for this Browns team. They played well yesterday, yesterday. Baker Mayfield, like I said, 18 of 22. Almost all the passes he was throwing were complete. Um, I think probably one of those was a throwaway, and then I think even two or three of those were drops. so he didn't really misfire on anything. He maybe misfired on one or two passes all day, so this guy is just as accurate as can be. Um, I watch him, and he just doesn't miss throws. He's just so accurate, and what I love about him is that bounce-back ability. Last week we saw it. They played a really good Texans team who has a really great defense on the road in Houston, and they just played two great games against the Falcons and the Bengals. And then they go to Houston, they kind of get their butt whooped a little bit, they kind of get humbled a little bit, and instead of being down on themselves, they just come right back and beat a very good Carolina Panthers team. Um, this is a Browns team that's beaten the Falcons, the Bengals, and the Panthers, and I know those are three teams that are in disarray, but those are still three teams that are historically pretty good here lately in the NFL. The Falcons still have the same team that just won, uh, should have won a Super Bowl two years ago, the Panthers. We're in the Super Bowl three years ago, still a very similar team. They're 6-7, not a bad record. And then a Bengals team that is very talented, um, and we just beat the crap out of them. So The Browns are looking very good right now, and I'm excited about the fact that this offseason you're not going to have to be worried about looking for a QB. You're going to just be worried about filling in a few holes here and there that need to be filled instead of having to look for a whole new team. You have that core, you have that team, and you're just looking for a few pieces here and there too. Really, you know, fill in the holes and turn this team from a borderline playoff team to a playoff team. And I think that's what this offseason will be, will be about. But Baker Mayfield bounces back from a tough week. And, man, he is the franchise QB the Browns have been waiting for about, I guess, 30 years now since Bernie Kosar in the late 80s. And all those trips to the AFC Championship game that were so close to going to the Super Bowl. There was the fumble. There was the drive. Uh, but Bernie Kosar was still a great quarterback through all of that. And the Browns really haven't had anyone since since him. And now it looks like they finally have their guy with Baker Mayfield. And that's what's so exciting about this Browns team, whether they make the playoffs or not. They've got their guy, and next year is really going to be their year, even if this year isn't. Um, second point here I have really on the Browns is just watching this team feels so much different than it's felt in the past. Um, usually before in the past, you just watch this team, and it just feels like the whole game you're just waiting on how are the Browns going to screw this up? How are they going to lose this game? How are they going to mess this up? And I kind of I caught myself feeling very, very different watching this team yesterday. Uh, the Browns kicked the ball off to the Panthers. First drive, the Panthers march right down the Browns' throat in First Energy Stadium in Cleveland, score a touchdown. Usually I would be feeling very bad about that, and I would be getting pretty down on myself as a Browns fan. And I kind of felt myself saying that's all right. The Browns are going to go right back and they're going to score on their next drive and they're going to keep this close. And they're, I, The whole game I thought the Browns are going to win this game against a Panthers team that, you know, like I said, was 6-6 six and six coming into this game. Historically a very good team over the past five or so years. Have a great core, have a great team with Cam Newton and others. And I found myself sitting there thinking the whole game, the Browns are going to win this game. The Browns are going to win this game. And that's exactly what they did. The next drive, first Play of the game. What else can you say, man? Baker Mayfield, gotta love his confidence. First play of the game, he just throws a he throws it way down the field. I think like a 70-yard completion to um I want to say Ratley. Yeah, I mean just first play of the game. They throw a Hail Mary down the field. It's complete. You gotta love the boldness of this team. Freddie Kitchen. Freddie Kitchen's drawing up the plays. Baker Mayfield just slings it down the field. On the first play of the game, after just coming off a week where he didn't have a great game, threw three interceptions against the Texans and now first play of the game he comes out and does that so you gotta love that yeah and like I said I just feel different watching this team this whole game I was waiting for them to win the game and they didn't prove me wrong they found a way to win it uh it was 26 to 20 Browns late in the game the Panthers were marching a touchdown would have put them up one which probably would have meant a win for them I want to say there was like two three minutes left and the Panthers were had a first and goal in the Browns territory obviously and they weren't able to convert. They went four plays without getting into the end zone. And the Browns took over. They got a first down, ran out most of the clock, punted it back to the Panthers. And on the first play, Cam Newton threw a pick to Demarius Randall, And then uh, Browns went into a victory formation and a great game for them. So let's jump into a little bit here into the playoff race, at least if I can. Um, let's see here. just wanted to talk about the playoff race and, you know, at least the possibility for the Browns here. Um I don't necessarily think for sure that the Browns are going to get into the playoffs or anything but just the fact that they're in the hunt feels good. It 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 feels different. So we've got the Chiefs here. They are 11 and 2. They have clinched a playoff berth. The only team in the AFC I believe to actually clinch a playoff berth at this point. Um they haven't clinched their division yet, uh, but they uh, have clinched the spot here. 11 and 2. They are the one seed. Patriots are the two seed at 9 and 4. Texans the three seed at 9-4. You've got the Steelers at 7-5-1. They have lost three straight, um, so they're barely hanging on to that division, and they're barely even hanging on to a playoff spot. And they play, I want to say, the Saints and the Patriots the next two weeks, so all of a sudden the Steelers could be... I mean, there's a very good chance they could miss out on the playoffs, so we'll talk more about that in a second. The Chargers are at 10-3. They're the first wild-card spot. Yes, at 10-3 they're in a wild-card spot, even though they have the second-best... Record in the AFC, sadly for them, the Chiefs are in their division who are eleven and two. Uh those two teams play each other, I believe, maybe next week, so that's gonna be a huge game. And then the Ravens have the second wildcard spot um and the sixth spot in the NFL playoffs, AFC side at seven and six. Then you have in the hunt, Colts seven and six, dolphins seven and six, Titans seven and six, and Broncos six and seven. And then you also of course have your brownies at 5-7-1, and one. so they're in the hunt. Uh, there's only three weeks left, you know, there's just not enough time for them, it feels like, but there are a few scenarios for them to get in. Um, like I've been saying all year, they have that one at the end of their column, that tie at the end of their column, which means they automatically have the tiebreaker over any other team who has the same amount of wins as them, because that's kind of like a half win, so if at the end of the year they're 8-7-1, and one, they have a shot at getting into the playoffs, so First thing that needs to happen for the Browns is obviously you got to win out. Um you got to beat the they play the Broncos this Saturday and then the week after that they play the Bengals and the Ravens. All three winnable games. I won't be surprised if they're favored in all three of those games. Maybe not the Broncos this week just because it's on the road and the Broncos have an amazing home field advantage. So I won't be surprised by that and it's a night game, so that that could very easily and they have a lot to play for. The Broncos are 6 and 7. But yeah, uh, the Browns are going to be a very good chance to win all three of those games, no doubt. So they're obviously going to need to win out first and foremost. Uh, what helps them, though, is that two of the teams they play in the, next, in the last three weeks are two other teams that are in the hunt for the playoffs as well. So if they can beat those teams, not only does it help them, but it also hurts the chances of teams they need to lose games. The Ravens are one. Uh, like I said, they're the second wildcard spot. They obviously hold the tiebreaker over the Colts, Dolphins, and Titans. I don't know how but they do at 7 and 6. All those other teams are 7 and 6 as well. And you play the Broncos who are 6 and 7. Um if you beat the Broncos, they're pretty much out of it. If you beat the Ravens, then you just need them to lose one of their last two games. But then you got the Colts, Dolphins and Titans. They're all at 7 and 6, so none of them can get to 9 wins, which means you need all three of those teams to go 1 and 2 in the final 3 weeks. The chances of that are pretty slim. I won't even be surprised if two of those three teams go one and two in the final week, but, excuse me, the chances that all three of those teams go one and two in the final weeks is going to be pretty tough. Um, I don't know what their schedules are. I don't have that many. I can't get that many windows open, unfortunately, here on my computer. It's just hard. But, uh, yeah, you've got the Colts, Dolphins, and Titans. Those are the three ones that are kind of more important, it feels like, because the Browns do play the Ravens and the Broncos. So if you're a Browns fan, you're obviously rooting for the Browns to win, um, which will in turn eliminate the Broncos. And if they beat the Ravens, they've got a good chance there. But then you're rooting against the Colts, Dolphins, and Titans these next three weeks as well. And then finally, one that no one's really talking about here is maybe, maybe, just maybe the Browns could win the division still. Um, If they don't get a wildcard spot, the Colts, Dolphins, or Titans do win uh, one of those three teams do win two games and they get to nine wins which the browns cannot get to at 5-7 and 1 right now with only three games left maybe maybe the browns win the division because you're looking at a steelers team here that was a lock for the the division at 7-2 and 1 and now they've lost three straight games they're sitting at 7-5 and 1 and let me pull up the steelers uh you know finishing schedule here I talked a little bit about it but um let's see here so obviously they lost to the raiders last night Um, three and ten Raiders now but yeah they play the Patriots at home then they play the Saints and then they play the Bengals Um, that's a rivalry in the Bengals if somehow the Steelers do lose to the Patriots and the Saints and that's a playoff game the Steelers need to win to get to the playoffs maybe the Bengals are willing to play spoiler and really want to play spoiler but yeah I mean there's still that chance that The Browns could very easily win these next two games, and the Steelers could very easily lose these next two games, and you could be sitting there on the final week of the season saying, hey, if the Steelers lose and the Browns win, then the Browns win the division, and um, although the Steelers will probably beat the Bengals no matter what, just because the Bengals are awful this year, and they're just completely crumbling as an organization right now, kind of, uh, you know, it would still be fun to just have that week of hope, like, holy crap, we could win the division, so... All this stuff is very unlikely, and but I've been saying that for, you know, four or five weeks here now. I've been saying this is all unlikely, blah, 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 but here we are four or, five, four or five weeks later, and we're looking at a pretty legitimate path for the Browns. There's still a very good chance, there's still a decent chance, I should say, of them getting in, but first and foremost, they have to win all of their games, and like I said, that's very possible. So now I just want to do a quick rundown of some other news here, really. I'm actually getting this podcast in pretty fast. I My podcasts usually take forever, it feels like, but um, any time I do these by myself, I talk quick because I'm nervous. I'm sure you can tell, but yeah, um, let me get a quick drink here, and then I'm going to do, do a quick rundown of some other news for uh, sports teams here in Ohio. Yeah, so uh, first off, we've got the Cavs. They traded away George Hill uh, for a first and second round pick. And they get Matthew Deladova as well in return. Obviously, you probably should be more excited about the picks, uh, getting a first and second rounder. But as a Cavs fan, we all just love Matthew Deladova so much that that's kind of the highlight of this trade. Uh, But yeah, we get rid of a guy in George Hill who is taking up a lot of cap space and really wasn't playing that great. And we already have a ton of guards who are really good. Uh, First off, you're getting another guard uh, in return with this trade, Matthew Deladova. Deladova. Now you have um, Jordan Clarkson, who's been a very good guard. And you've also got a few other guards there. Of course, Colin Sexton, the rookie. He's, you know, you're hopefully the point guard of the future for the for the Cavaliers. Sorry, I'm just so used to talking about football here. I'm trying to remember all the names and stuff. But yeah, so I mean, you get Matthew Deladova in return. You have Colin Sexton. Jordan Clarkson have been very good for you this season. So you don't really need George Hill taking up the cap space, not playing that great of basketball anyways. And you get Matthew Deladova, kind of a star here in Cleveland. Everyone loves Dele, uh for being a part of that 2016 championship run and just for, I guess, being the small um, white guy who's not that great at basketball but gives all of his heart. We always have a special place in our heart for those guys, uh, similar to a Joey Lane at Ohio State basketball. That's kind of what Deladova is to the Cavaliers. So people are just excited to have him you know, in Cleveland and uh, have that heart on the team, have that guy who's willing to give it all for the city and just for the team in general. But yeah, more importantly, they get a first-round pick out of this as well. So that's exciting. Who knows, you know, where the Bucks. I'm not sure even what year this is. I'm not, I don't think it's next year. It's probably two or three years down the line. But who knows where the Bucks are at in that point and, you know, if they're a good team or a bad team and where that draft pick falls. But still a first-round draft pick. Um, where it falls is extremely important, but still a first-round draft pick. Um, the Indians are looking to trade Corey Kluber. A very interesting story here, but we've kind of seen it coming for a long time. Corey Kluber, first off, has been not the greatest pitcher in the the playoffs. There's no hiding that. He hasn't played his best baseball when it matters most. And that's, you know, I think what the Indians are looking for. They're looking probably to trade him. Um I don't know if they're. I think, I believe they're looking to trade him, not just give him up for money. But if you're looking to trade him, you may be looking to bring someone in who is maybe not as great as Corey Kluber, but maybe younger and has possibly more experience playing well in the playoffs and has a more proven track record in the playoffs. And they're also probably just looking to offload space. Unfortunately, if you're an Indians fan, you know this all too well. The owners of the Indians, I want to say the Dole family, they are known all too well for. Really, just being kind of cheapskates. I cheapskates. I hate to put it like that, but that's just kind of the scenario we're looking at here, folks. Um, they usually sell all the good players because they don't want to continue to. They don't want to have to continue to pay those players. So this is kind of what we said this year during the season for the Indians. We said you got to win the World Series this year because this is probably your last chance at it. I was hoping I was wrong. I was hoping all the people that were saying that were wrong. I was hoping we'd have a few more good years with Lindor, Kluber. Um, Carrasco, although he's coming back, um, and Edwin and Encarnacion, all those people. I was hoping we'd have a few more years with those guys, but it feels like a few of those pieces are going to be broken up. And although we can still win our division next year without a guy like Corey Kluber and a few of those pieces leaving, there's really no chance for this Indians team to, uh, win the world series next year. But that's, like I said, that's kind of just the unfortunate scenario in baseball. Um, unlike all the other leagues Here in America, MLS, NFL, NBA, etc., where you're located and how much money your owners have and how much money your market brings in is very important in baseball because you can go over the cap limit and pay that tax, um, whatever that's called, the uh, tax thing. Um, That's why we see the Yankees are very good almost every single year because the MLB allows them to be good. They allow them to go over the cap space and continue to pay players more and that's why they're usually good because they have the ability to do that because they're in such a big market and their owners have so much money so we see that a lot here places like cleveland it's harder for the indians to compete they usually have to do it with young stars who aren't getting paid a ton but now we're seeing a lot of those young stars and a lot of those good players in general come to the end of their contracts and like we said the uh indians window for winning a world series was the last three years and they didn't do it they uh uh, we're one game away from winning the World Series three years ago, or two years ago, I guess, technically. Uh, last year, as in 2017, they lost to the Yankees, even though they were up 2-0 to begin the series. And then this year, they just got blown out, uh, swept, yes, by the Astros. Astros. I don't think they won a game. They got swept by the Astros this year, 3-0 in the ALDS. So it kind of looks like their window's open, and they can continue to make playoff runs, but I don't think they're going to have the team to win a World Series probably in a long time, unfortunately. The Blue Jackets, they sit second in their division, currently in a playoff spot, which is good. Um, They've had a rough few games here. Let me pull up their schedule. Um, They lost to the Capitals Saturday night 4-0, which is the team that is leading the division, who they're sitting second behind. They got an OT win against the Flyers, 4-3, last Thursday. Last Tuesday, they lost 9-6 to The Flames, that's kind of a crazy result. And the Saturday before that, they lost three to two to the Islanders. Not in a great run of form right now, but uh, they are still second in the division. I want to say that there's two divisions in the Eastern Conference, the top two in each division go on, so that would include the Blue Jackets right now. And then I think there's four wild card spots for all the rest of the teams in the Eastern Conference, so the Blue Jackets are still very much in the thick of the playoff spot. Um, which is good. There's still a pretty good cushion between them and missing out on the playoffs right now, I believe. I guess I can look at it real quick here, points-wise. They're probably looking at a... I think they've got themselves like a a four-point gap here between them and the playoffs, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's not a bad gap. So still in a playoff spot. And, you know, right now as a Blue Jackets fan, I'd say that's about what we expect out of this team. Make the playoffs and then do your best to make a run because... There's so much parity in the NHL. All that really matters is making the playoffs and seeing what you can do once you get into the playoffs. Um, Finally here, talk a little bit about the crew actually, Uh, another Columbus team here as well as the uh, Blue Jackets and they had some exciting news here the last few days. Nothing confirmed, nothing official, but they are planning on building a downtown stadium in the Arena District right next to where the Clippers play and very close to where the Blue Jackets play and that's... If you're a crew fan like I am, this is pretty much what we've been clamoring for. We want a stadium very close to downtown, which Arena District is. And we wanted a stadium in Arena District, which is what they want to give us. Um, Jimmy Haslam, like we said, has those deep pockets. Um, I want to say between buying the crew, building the stadium, and uh, they also want to do a project with what is now Moffray Stadium and turn that more into a community center type area all of that's going to cost about 650 million dollars combined. So, if this all does go through, then Jimmy Haslam, what a guy he is to invest all that money in, into the city of Columbus for this great soccer team, these great fans, as well as uh, the community center, which would be very exciting if he invested money into that as well. So, um, you know, nothing's confirmed there, but they did announce, you know, they're looking at building a stadium next to Clipper Stadium. It would be a 20,000 seater. It would have a cool like look into the city where you could get a view of the city. Um, It would have like a, I'm trying to think of what it would be called, but it has an overhang over the seats. So if it's raining or whatever the weather circumstances are, it's not getting on the people who are sitting there watching the game. We see that a lot in England. They have a lot of those overhangs over uh, soccer stadiums. So have that more traditional soccer stadium feel to it unlike. Uh, Moffray does right now, there's no overhang at all at Moffray, it's kind of just an exposed stadium, it kind of sticks out like a sore sore thumb, I love Moffray so I hate to say that, but it, you know, sitting right next to I-71, there's no overhang, it kind of just sticks out, kind of like a sore thumb like I said, so, that'd be really exciting to get a stadium in the Arena District, that would surely improve um, attendance numbers and just morale around this team in general, as well as the whole Save the Crew movement, just, you know, really got morale up and then having an owner who's willing to invest into this community and put ads out and commercials, et cetera, for the crew. If all this stuff happens, man, the crew are going to be, I mean, they're going to be one of the hits of the city, man. Obviously, you've got the Ohio State Buckeyes, football and basketball, and the Blue Jackets are pretty popular here, and they, they draw well, and then the crew don't draw well much at all lately, and a lot of that has to do with Anthony Precourt and how he kind of ripped the advertisement out of this team and how Maffray Stadium was the whole situation there was handled in general but if all this stuff happens the crew are going to be a hit in this city and people are really going to really rally around this team and the morale is going to be high and I think it's going to be a lot of fun so obviously Jimmy Haslam sees something in this city that he's willing to invest in and if everything goes through and they do save the crew and they do end up building this stadium all this happens um we'll have so much to thank him for so hoping all that you know, goes through because I really love to see it, but at the end of the end of the day, the most important thing is just that the Save the Crew movement continues to go on, and that Save the Crew, although it's 99% done, eventually does officially happen here. Um, the stadium is awesome and important, but I really just want to see the Save the Crew thing go through here permanently here soon. That would be nice. So yeah, I think that'll pretty much do it for today's episode hope you enjoyed the rambling just me by myself rambling on about a lot of things here i can't wait to listen back to this and critique myself but uh yeah a lot more content than i thought there would be heisman race uh haskins comes in third and then a lot of good recruiting news Uh, good to see that even with one of the greatest recruiters of all time and one of the greatest coaches of all time stepping down the buckeyes are still continually recruiting well But like I said, Zach Harrison, man, um, that's going to be really important for Ohio State. Right now, they're projected not to get him. He's projected to go to our rival, that team up north. But it's going to be close. I'd say, although it says like 65-35 on this site, I think it's pretty close to 50-50. So um, if you don't know a lot about recruiting and you don't keep up with it, I mean, that used to be me. Now I'm trying to get into it for this job, obviously, and just talking about Ohio State. If you're not someone who keeps up with it and you don't really want to, but you're thinking, you know, how can I keep up with it best? Just just look at that one name, Zach Harrison. Look at that one guy. He is going to be the guy in terms of this 2019 class. He's, I mean, they're putting everything into this guy. I'm sure Ryan Day is checking up on him almost every day. I'm sure Urban Meyer is over there trying to convince him to stay, even though Urban Meyer is gone himself. So, yeah, keep an eye on that. Um, the high state basketball team is playing great. The Browns, man, uh, keep an eye on them in the playoff race. Like I said, they play Saturday night against the Broncos. Um, yeah, Saturday night against the Broncos. That's going to be fun. It's going to be a primetime game Saturday night, and it's going to be a huge game in terms of the wildcard race. So that's going to be a fun game. Uh, Broncos Stadium, I'm not sure what it's called, but it's always buzzing there. Always a good atmosphere. It's going to be a lot of fun. Big game for the Browns. Keep up with their playoff race. Like I said, the Cavs get a good trade. They get Deli back. They get a first rounder. Indians are looking to trade Corey Kluber and they're probably looking to rebuild, maybe kinda of a soft rebuild, if you want to call it that. A rebuild where they're working on rebuilding the team towards another World Series run, but it's not a complete rebuild where they tear everything down. They're still looking to be uh you know, still looking to win their division and try to get to the playoffs. And you got the Blue Jackets who are sitting in a playoff spot and the crew, man, everything looks like it could go through with the crew. It looks like we could have an awesome downtown stadium, new great owners, and I'm super, super excited for everything that's happening there. So I think that will do it. Um, In terms of my next podcast, I'll definitely have someone on. I just couldn't today because so many people are busy with finals. I am as well, but I wanted to get this in real quick, take an hour of my time to write a script and do this. Not too bad. Um, Yeah, but next podcast, I believe I'm going to have one Thursday, maybe Friday. And I'm actually going to do something a little different. I'm just going to do a a rundown of all of the bowl games. Yeah, all of them. So, you know, it's going to be more of a national kind of podcast. But I just, I love bowl season. I know a lot of people don't. But I personally love bowl season. And I'll probably have Cody or Steven or someone on. And we'll all make our bowl picks. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun. We'll have a little competition with that. So, We'll obviously go deeper into the Ohio State Rose Bowl matchup, but we'll talk about all the bowl games, talk about, you know, the bigger bowl games, but then we'll probably make a pick for every single bowl game and just do a little competition and have a little bit of fun and hopefully you guys like it. So yeah, I think that will do it for today and that will do it for Ohio versus the world.